Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <laughs> you had me thinking there, are we going to make it? And we did. Good morning. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome to our Smart Garden Show, welcoming your lawn and garden questions. And who's joining us this morning? Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Horticultural is there from the U of M. Good morning, Mary. Nice to hear your voice again. Good morning, Denny. Happy summer gardening. What a I day should... to go out and garden. <laughs> I thought I, I'm looking at the forecast. I'm thinking I think we just lost a month. We're, we're right in June, <laughs> but we're not even in June yet. So it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a warm one today, a little cooler tomorrow, but we'll fill you in on that information. But uh, yes, indeed, things uh, like we say are green and growing out there. How was your week, uh, Mary? Oh, wonderful! Uh, my garden is exploding. Julie Weisenhorn used that adjective, and I couldn't agree more with the moisture we've had and the high humidity. Plants really have grown quickly, so people probably see an overnight difference in their garden. So it's really wonderful we got that much-needed rainfall. Oh, for sure, yes. We may get a little more now this week as well. If you happen to have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and you know how busy we are, if you want to send Mary a text or give Mary a phone call, it's the same number, 651-989-9226. And, uh, of course, we'll uh, touch on the uh, the uh, uh, University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum, too. Always a great place, I guess, any time of year. But this is, this is a special time of year. We'll talk about that as we move through the hour as well. Uh, but, Mary, there are already a ton of text messages coming in. Maybe we can take care of a few before we uh, we get to the phones. Here's one. It says, good morning. I cut my Annabelle hydrangea down this spring and last spring. However, as it grows back, it is spread out across an area that is too large, and there are thin areas between the growing stems. Last year, it did not bloom like it used to. What should I do? Well, pruning it back is a good idea, what you, what you mentioned that you've already done. I'm wondering if there's more shade in your area now, uh, because hydrangeas do the best when they're in really good light conditions. So if uh, trees have encroached and they've gotten uh, shadier, you might consider shrubs that will do better in shade. But um, 
the other thing you could try is have a soil test done to make sure that your soil is not deficient in nutrients. Now let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Mary. We do that a touch on that soil testing. How do how do we? What's the process? How do we do that? Well, you can go online and find the directions for how to take a soil sample. Um, you can um, take the sample yourself and take it over to the University of Minnesota, or you can use the mail option uh, that is there also, where you can get a mail. Um, um, uh, a bag to take your soil and then mail it back in. So either way, the most important thing really is that you follow the directions of how to take a good sample and get a representative sample from around your property and mix it together and make sure that you have the mineral soil, not necessarily mulch or bark that you might have on top of your soil, but within the top six inches, you actually get the soil and mix it together so that you have a good sample. And then once you get the results back, there'll be recommendations depending on if it's a lawn, if it's a garden, a flower garden, vegetable garden, or whatever. The recommendations will be there for what you should do for your soil. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's a ton of them already. Uh, what is the best? This is a critical uh, question. What's the best way to control ant hills in your lawn? Yes, ants are really more of a nuisance in our lawn um, than they are damage to the lawn itself. Um, you can try raking or um, distributing the, the nest or the ants. Uh, finding the queen ant that's down there is really what, uh, critical in removing the nest and dispersing all of the ants. That's usually a pretty difficult thing to do to find uh, the queen. Um, the recommendations as far as killing the ants go, of course, there's some insecticides, some chemicals for lawns that will kill ants. You can use that if that's an option. Um, hot water will kill ants, but it will also kill the turf grass, the grass that's there. So um, try to live with the ants if you can, because they really won't hurt your lawn. Okay. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. It's also the text number. This listener says this, I have a 20-foot diameter patch of dead grass where leaves were left in my yard. Is it too late to seed the area? No, it's not too late to seed the area. And this is, yes, a word to the wise. So here we have a testimonial on this because in the fall, we often get this question. If I leave the lawn, leave, leave the leaves on my lawn, will it hurt the grass? And yes, it will. And right, if you leave a pile even just for one winter, uh, yeah, that's enough to suffocate to really kill uh, lawn grass. So uh, raking the area and making sure you have good Soil seed contact is important, but it's a good time to do it right now, especially if there's a rain uh, coming up in the forecast. Yes, we won't have those extreme temperatures. It'll it'll be right now, especially if there's a rain uh, coming up in the forecast. Yes, we won't have those extreme temperatures. It'll it'll be uh, you know in the seventies probably after. Well, Monday and Tuesday it's still around eighty four, but we do have more chances of showers. So, yeah, I think uh, you're right, uh, Mary. We have more chance. In fact, I have to do the same thing myself. Is is kind of hit some places I missed over the uh, winter. Here's a question I don't think we've had before: Is if if now rhubarb freezes, 
Is it true it's poisonous? Should I cut it down? Uh, no, uh, that is not true. Um, rhubarb um, has a lot of um, alkaloids in the leaves, especially. Uh, you have to eat a huge amount of those, really, uh, to um, to poison a human. But, but it, yes, you certainly can get sick uh, eating the leaves. But it's the stems or the petioles that we actually eat. Frozen rhubarb is something you can buy in the store, in the grocery store. And uh, so, no, fro- freezing does not make it poisonous. And um, if it froze, I think this person is actually concerned that maybe one of our later frosts this year damaged their rhubarb, but I think the plant will grow back. That's really an air damage issue, and the roots of rhubarb are tough. They actually like colder conditions, so I think the plant will recover on its own. All right, good news. Very good. All right, let's do this, Mary. Let's take a quick break. Invite our listeners to join in on our Smart Garden Show. Call in or text in your lawn or garden question. Same number, 651-989-9226. Mary Meyer is helping you out this morning from the University of Minnesota here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We'll be back. Good morning. If you're just joining us, this is our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour here on CCO. Mary Meyer from the U of M joining us, helping you out this morning. And as usual, Mary, we have a bunch of callers and a bunch of texters as well. So let's see who is first. Sharon calling in from Stanchfield this morning, I believe. Sharon, thank you for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Could could Mary give us a ratio of bleach and water to wash, wash tomato cages with? Yeah, good question. Yes, um, it's usually um, it's a very dilute uh, ratio, so it's one to ten. So it's uh, one, one tablespoon of bleach to ten tablespoons of water, or you know, one cup in ten cups. So it's really uh, it's one to ten. So it's really quite dilute. But uh, yes, Sharon is referring to. Um, the uh, preventative measures in cleaning equipment that uh, you use in your garden, uh, cleaning containers or um, trellises, um, anything, any of the equipment you use in your garden, that's a way to keep it clean to prevent diseases. So we know that many of our diseases, uh, especially tomatoes, potatoes, the solanaceae, peppers, and so on, get a lot of diseases. And uh, from year to year, you can um, accumulate a lot of disease problems. So sanitation is a great way to uh, clean up things, and yet you can recycle, reuse your equipment containers. Yeah, great idea. This listener says, after pre-emergent crabgrass is applied, how many weeks do I need to wait before grass seed is applied? It's quite a while, really. Um, It will tell you on the label, but for most of those, I am going to say it's uh, several weeks. So I'm going to say two months, 
at minimum, maybe six weeks, six to eight weeks. And some of this does depend on the weather, how much rain there has been to really dilute that chemical. But the pre-emergence controls make a kind of tiny film over the surface of the soil and prevent many seeds from germinating. So until that film has actually worn down and uh, degraded, it can be several weeks. So without looking it up for exactly, I'd say six weeks at the minimum. It could be six to 12 weeks even. As far as lawn care goes, uh, maybe we could recommend the the University of Minnesota website and what Julie has done there. And and you can, uh, well, tell us about that segment of the website for the lawn care. Yes, so we have a wonderful lawn care calendar that actually is uh, broken down by what time of year it is, what you should be doing when. And then there's also recommendations for low-maintenance lawns, which are the fine fescues, which we're really, really recommending that a lot of people are interested in. Fescues also do well in shade, but they're wonderful for sun um, as well. So if you have a higher maintenance lawn or low maintenance, depending on what type of grass you have, the recommendations are there. And then the timing, best timing for fertilizer, weed control, uh, aeration, things like that are all listed on the calendar the lawn and garden calendar or the lawn care calendar, which is at extension.umn.edu and then click on yard and garden. Very good. We'll mention that again, that website. Uh, Back to the phones we go. I believe Liz is waiting there in mound to ask you a question. Thank you, Liz. What's your question for Mary? Good morning. Uh, Yes. The um, city of mound sent the letter stating that the water our drinking water has too much manganese. Now, the same water is used on the gardens, and I was wondering, once the vegetable gardens and the flower gardens have been fertilized and everything, does too much manganese do anything to the plants? Well, great question, Liz. Um, I think that that is something that your city should address also and put up on their website. And um, I do not know. Now, there there are two chemicals that are very, very similar here, manganese and manganese. And those are two different chemicals, elements that we find in our soils. They can, uh, those are ones you can actually test for in your soil. If you um, ask for that with the University of Minnesota soil test we talked about earlier, I was not aware of the water in the city of Mound having this issue. But yes, I would certainly look into that. You'd want to know exactly what is the level that is there now, uh, what is the safe level, and how does that react when it is uh, applied to the soil? I don't know, Liz. Without looking that up, I don't know. But that is a great uh, question, Um, and it's something that we could address in future issues of our Yard and Garden newsletter. I'm wondering uh, why this issue has happened now in Mound. I've never – I haven't heard of that before. I live in Plymouth, not far away. And I know we get a lot of information from our city, as many residents do, with what the water quality is and the testing, regular testing that goes on in our municipal water supplies. So um, 
I I don't know without uh, digging into this further. It's a good question for your city. Very good. Thank you, Liz, for that information. I know we're going to look at that forecast, but uh, let's get another call from Robert calling in from Northfield this morning. Thank you, Robert. What's your question for Mary? Yes, Mary. Thank you. Um, my question is about cucumbers. Uh, I have gardened for years and years and years and years. The last three years, my cucumbers look great. They, you know, they spread out, and they, uh, the first cucumbers are fine, and then all of a sudden, starting back by where the seed was and so on, the stem dries up and the leaves dry up and so on, and the cucumbers, instead of being nice, straight cucumbers, curl up and have brown spots, uh, you know. And I have no idea what might be causing that. Uh, Robert, it could be uh, a combination of a number of things. Uh, If you had just talked about the cucumber curling up and turning brown, I would have said that it was incomplete pollination and a lack of um, um, insects in the garden and pollinating at the time the flowers are out. But because you talked about the vine wilting and dying, that's much more likely it's uh, cucumber bacterial wilt, which is um, is spread by uh, cucumber beetles usually. And so if you really, you could have a combination of two things. And we do have a nice uh, publication on bacterial wilt of cucurbits and how to control that. Um, and how to take care of that up online. So it's kind of devastating. And once it's there, you kind of, once you see it, you've kind of lost the entire vine already. But the, the real control is controlling those cucumber beetles that are spreading the actual wilt uh, itself. So I hope that that's um, helpful. But I think reading ahead and working on preventative uh, measures uh, should help you. Very good. All right, Mary, we're going to take a break and have a look at that uh, forecast for the coming week. And then we have another half hour of the show to go. It's called Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Good morning. If you're just joining us, Smart Garden underway here on CCO Radio. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out this morning. And as usual, Mary, we have callers and we have texters. But, uh, you know, we always like to address what's going on at the uh, the Arboretum now. Things are slowly but surely opening up. What's happening uh, these days at the Arboretum, Mary? Oh, the Arboretum is a glorious place to visit now. Uh, the lilacs are really at their peak, and so the, the Arboretum has one of the oldest and most beautiful lilac collections, so that's certainly a high point. The azaleas are starting to bloom as well, and there's still many wonderful uh, spring wildflowers um, in the woods that you can see. This weekend is one of our May markets, so there's there's uh, a lot to see besides plants at the Arboretum. The Maze Garden is now open again for kids and adults to go through the Maze Garden. You still do need to get a ticket uh, to go to the Arboretum. Anyone member 
members or not need uh, to have a ticket for a reserve time. But when I looked this morning, um, every uh, reserve time was available. So today is a wonderful day to go out uh, for a walk. Uh, we also have an osprey camera now. We, there's an osprey nest at the Horticulture Research Center with two eggs in it. And you can find the link for that uh, online as well. But there's just a huge number of things that are in bloom now, a great place uh, to walk at the Arboretum. Just head west in Highway 5 to 41, and you'll see that uh, off to the left, uh, the uh, Arboretum sign. So very easy to get to. Yes, there there is a lot of construction around the entrance. There's yes. a new bike trail going in, <laughs> but uh, the Arboretum is the entrance is open and available. Yes, that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought. It. So it's going to be a bike trail, huh? That's the deal. Yes, it's a bike trail that will go connect the Carver County uh, Park System and Excelsior. Those trails have existed on the north side of five. But there's an underpass uh, west of the Arboretum, and now this will be uh, uh, a parallel to Route 5 on the south side. And there's going to be an underpass under 41 and then connect to the other existing uh, trail system. So so that's a beautiful new trail that will be going in um, along the Arboretum. Well, that's great. Uh, great news. All right, let's see who has been waiting on the phone, and then we'll get some text messages as well. I think Barb is first up. You're calling in from Princeton. Thank you for waiting, Barb. What's your question for Mary? Uh, good morning. Um, I was wondering, can you plant a Thanksgiving cactus outside? Uh, yes, you can do that, uh, Barb. You'll have to bring it in uh, when the temperatures get cold again, and it's consistently uh, below 45 degrees. Uh, the Thanksgiving cactus or Easter cactus, um, they can, um, yes, they can live outside. Uh, they could take full sun conditions outside, but that would be a shock. Uh, so I would gradually get them used to um, sunlight uh, outside. Probably a dappled shade area would be a good place uh, to put them. Uh, you could plant them in the ground. You'll have to dig them up again. I take mine outside and put them on a porch, and um, there's filtered uh, sunshine there. I just leave them, you know, all my house plants are now living outside in Minnesota because uh, the warm temperatures have come, and they uh, love being outside. Excellent. Thanks, Barb. Uh, we'll uh, Let's get to Pat's call from Arden Hills uh, taken care of here, then we'll grab some text messages. Uh, good morning, Pat. What is your question? Hi. I'm trying to find perennial grass seeds. All the grass seed I find is not perennial. It doesn't even say what it is on the bag. Well, uh, it's in the tiny fine print. It's a, a law to actually declare what kind of seed you have in the bag for grass seed. And, um, it, yeah, it's tiny print and it's hard to see, but it should uh, be there. Uh, if you go to a independent lawn and garden, uh, like Bachman's, Dundee, Otten Brothers, Tangletown, we have many wonderful uh, garden centers. Those places will have the best high quality grass seed. And whether you buy it in bulk or you buy it individually bagged, it, it should be on the label. And the three most common kinds you're going to find for perennial seed in our area are Kentucky bluegrass, 
perennial ryegrass and fine fescues, uh, red fescue, sheep's fescue, chewing's fescue, um, those multiple different kinds of fescue. But those three kinds are the ones that um, you can look for, and um, you should be easy, it should be pretty easy to find those. Uh, but independent garden centers will have the high quality seed. That's for sure. That's where I find them too. All right. Thank you very much, Pat. Uh, Sarah is uh, calling in, I believe, from Arden Hills this morning. Uh, go ahead, Sarah. Thank you. Hi, Mary. Say, so I have a follow-up question from, from Pat. Um, how can you tell, like, if you've planted grass seed or quieter home that has a lawn, if, how can you tell if the seed is perennial or annual? I'm assuming I'd want perennial grass seed or grass. And if my grass has um, sprouted and is seeding on the top, does that mean it's perennial? Um, both annual and perennial grass will have a seed stalk or flowers on it. Uh, so that is not an indication in and of itself if it's an annual or a perennial. Right now, a lot of grass is pushing up and putting up those seed heads or the flowers that come. This is their natural life cycle to do that. Um, again, the only way you can really tell is by looking at what the seed was in the bag, what's on the label. Uh, there's usually not much annual, uh, it's annual ryegrass is the normal one to get uh, for seed, but there's usually very little of that in uh, a seed mix. However, the best indication is the price. The cheaper the seed, the more likely you are getting an annual grass seed. So if you see something for, you know, a dollar or two for a bag of grass seed, that is almost uh, certain that it is annual grass seed. Perennial grass seed is very, is expensive. And so it's much, much more expensive. And especially if you just buy seed. There are many mixes today that have carriers or additives. And, and these are helpful to get the seed to germinate, but the additives and so on are not just seed. So if you're just buying seed, it's going to be expensive for perennial grass seed. But again, the label will tell you what you've got. All right, very good. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, texter wants to know, there's another lawn question about clover. Uh, clover is taking over my lawn. How can I prevent it from spreading? Now, some folks like clover, and I think the bees like clover. Yes, Denny, this is true. This is kind of a quandary for us with uh, what what our human eyes would like to see versus what the is really good for the environment. Uh, we have I've just as many people ask me how to establish clover now in their lawns. We might get a call later on in this in this hour about that. But clover is uh, a wonderful plant that can fix nitrogen. It can take nitrogen from the air and make it available to itself. And then as the clover uh, pieces of the root and so on die, that nitrogen is available to our grass plants. So it's kind of a self-fertilization plant. And yes, it has flowers all season long that uh, bees really do love. So it's very high quality nectar uh, for bees. Um, the only way you can, can, there are chemical controls to get rid of clover. Uh, you have to put those on 
when the plant itself is fairly large, you, the more surface area you've got a plant to take up the chemical, the better. You need to read the label for applying the chemicals. And usually it's a combination of more than one chemical. So the lawn, broadleaf weed killers with two or three chemicals together usually have uh, better results. Okay, very good. We're going to take a quick break, Mary. You want to alert Ben. You're going to be next on the telephone, then we'll grab some more text messages here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. Mary Meyer from the U of M is helping you out uh, this morning, either by phone or by text. And Mary, as usual, we have uh, listeners uh, on both, phone and text. Let's see. Ben, we promised Ben he'd be next in uh, New Prague. Thanks, Ben. What's your question? Hey, good morning. Say, I have an asparagus bed. It's about, it's about 15 years old. Uh, it's getting very thin, and the stalks are real spindly. I've fertilized it quite a bit recently, probably with, you know, chicken manure and other things. Um, I'm wondering if you have any advice. Uh, congratulations on having asparagus for 15 years, Ben. Good for you. Um, it, asparagus is a long-lived vegetable crop, and, uh, yeah, I grew up in an asparagus bed that was Man, it was just always there. My first recommendation was going to be manure, so you've already done that. It does seem to respond well to manure. So if it's still in full sun um, and you yes. have not talked about quackgrass, do you have weeds in there? Uh, not too much, no. Okay, it's and it's sun. still in full sun. I, yes. The only thing I would tell you is get new plants and, and start again. Um, 15 years is, yeah, it should, it should last longer than that, but for some reason, I don't know, maybe, maybe, and, and you leave the tops after a while, you just leave the tops and let them grow, right? Yes. And then I cut them down in the spring. You know, cut, I leave the tops up all winter. Right, right. Leave the tops up all, yeah, till they're dead. Yeah. yeah. You're, yeah, you're doing, right. You could, you could try a soil test. That's the only other thing. You might try a soil test and see if there is some uh, deficiency there. Um, we've got good soils in Minnesota for the most part. Uh, so I would suggest you just try uh, get new roots. Okay. Here's a listener that says, I planted a bleeding heart two years ago. It died. Have not seen it for two years. Now it's popped up. Can I transplant it? Um, yes, you can, but I would wait until it starts to die. Bleeding heart is sometimes ephemeral. In other words, it comes in the spring and then it dies back again. I would wait until the foliage starts to turn yellow and die. And then, yes, you can go in and uh, you could dig the whole thing up or take a chunk of it and um, put it to another location. It's usually easy to divide um, as it's dying down in uh, late spring and summer. This listener says, should one use landscape fabric in flower beds? I'm reading that you should not use fabric, just lots of mulch. Yes, I uh, would recommend the mulch over landscape fabric. Uh, landscape fabric, there are newer kinds now that are better and allow for 
air and water exchange. But for the most part, plants hate landscape fabric. They just hate it. It's like being, in, you know, being encased in something that reduces water and especially oxygen air exchange. So it, I, I, I would not use it. Uh, I only use landscape fabric for mulching in uh, tomatoes and the, the warm season crops that really like hot conditions. They really will increase yield in a vegetable garden, but in uh, uh, shrubs or flower garden, uh, I would never use it. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see. Oh, that we had a question earlier about getting rid of ants in the yard. This uh, listener has an, a piece of advice saying diatomaceous earth to get rid of ants. It's non-poisonous. What do you think of that? Well, if that has worked for you, great. I wasn't aware that ants really dislike that. Now, we know slugs do and other caterpillars and things that when they diatomaceous earth is like ground up seashells. So it's, it's very abrasive for caterpillars. And hey, does that work for ants? Who knew? Yeah. Right. That is, it's worth a try. I yeah. should say it is. Yeah. Uh, this listener stored a geranium and impatient plant over the winter. What do I need to do now with them is their question. Definitely move them outside. Um, the geranium might live, but the impatient might do fine as well. Many people take cuttings and then uh, root the cuttings and then go from there so that they have a younger, more vigorous plant. But the old mother plants sometimes will do uh, fine outside. But, yeah, I definitely move them outside, better light, more water, and then uh, starting to fertilize them with liquid fertilizer. This listener wants to know, what should I use to fertilize my almost blooming peonies? Oh, peonies. Yes, we are about to see our glorious peonies here in Minnesota. Um, peonies don't need a lot of fertilizer, but um, there again, if you, ha- if you have reason to believe that your soil is deficient, um, you can use an all-purpose fertilizer. <clears throat> our traditional ones like 51010 or 5105 are fine for peonies. All right. This listener says this text says thanks for the show. It gives me a reason to get up early on Saturdays. <clears throat> Very good. Me too. Uh, I have some um, I have some marigold seeds from last year's flowers. They say, is it too late to plant them for summer blooms? No, marigolds can be planted right now, and uh, they are a great plant uh, with children. If you have children to plant, because they have a large seed, and they grow quickly. So great. Uh, yes, I, I would say between now and even June 15th, uh, you could seed many of the uh, annual flowers and they will bloom this year. Okay. This uh, listener says, I have a staghorn fern that is gorgeous. What does one do with the disc-shaped leaf in the middle once it starts turning brown? Thank you. Love the show. Well, if it's totally brown and you can pull it off, um, that's what's happening. That leaf is just uh, senescing or dying. And sometimes, yeah, I give a little tug to brown leaves on my houseplants. If they don't come off yet, I just wait for them to uh, become quite loose on their own, and then I remove them. This one, this listener says, can I plant my tomatoes yet? Oh, yes. 
I would go ahead and plant your tomatoes. Um, I think that the 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 risk of frost is over uh, pretty much everywhere. Where are we? The twentieth. Maybe if you're away in the northern part of Minnesota, you might want to wait one more week. Uh, when we get to the iffy weather, I look at the forecast for the week ahead, but. I think uh, it's looking very good for um, conditions now for tomatoes, peppers. Um, yep, weather like this is what melons, um, cucumbers, pota- tomatoes, potatoes, they love these hot weather conditions and high humidity uh, days, much better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Mary, we have about 30 seconds to go. Let's, uh, let's give the listeners that, that website, university's website once again before you leave. Yes, extension.umn.edu, then click on Yard and Garden. You can read our Yard and Garden newsletter for the tips for what's, what you should be doing now in your garden, uh, what's, what's wrong with my plant, what insect is this, what weed is this. Lots of information at extension.umn.edu. Great website. Mary, thank you so much, and we hope to talk soon. Yes, always a pleasure, Danny. Thank you so much. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be answering those here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Heading for 85 today. Right now on CCO, temperature reading 70. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 